My name is Deacon Brian. Welcome to the Shepherd of the Hills Sermons Podcast. Every week we share our Sunday morning sermons with you to keep these important conversations going. We hope you not only enjoy hearing our words of God's love for you, but will also feel compelled to share these words with everyone who needs to hear this message. As always, we encourage you to keep the conversation going at home, at work, and everywhere you go. Take a few moments to ask the questions that need to be asked and share the gospel with all. This week, we celebrated All Saints Sunday at Shepherd and remembered our loved ones who passed, both recently and long ago. Our faith community nurse, Kay Wilde, preached about the sinner and saint in all of us. So sit back, relax, and let us dive into this week's story and sermon. Today's lesson is from Ephesians' second chapter. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. The word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Welcome to All Saints Sunday at Shepherd of the Hills. I'm Kay Wothy. I'm the faith community nurse here. If you're a visitor, this is not the usual pulpit experience, and I would invite you back. On another Sunday. Yeah, it's usually a lot worse. (laughs) I didn't say that, but you know. Um, My tips in having gotten to this spot this morning is to tell you, if you go to seminary and get your master's degree, don't tell your pastor. And always go to the bathroom before you mic up. So there you have it, the things they don't tell you. Let's open with prayer. Lord, let me be your vessel. Speak your word through me. Let our ears hear and let our hearts be open. In your name we pray. Amen. What do you want your tombstone to say? Or better yet, what do you want the words of your eulogy to be? These are classic questions that we've asked each other over the years either to stimulate deep conversation among friends or family, or to guilt us into be a little more saint and a little less sinner. As a faith community nurse, I have coached and continue to coach a lot of people to write down notes about what they want their funeral service to be like. What's your favorite scripture, I say? What are some of your favorite hymns? 
Many of them, even then, once they've got that, go on to describe exactly what they want for lunch after the service. It's Lutheran. You just got to have it. I've had my own funeral file for a long time. And more recently, I've considered writing my own eulogy. Some say that's a little too German, a little too controlling the message, perhaps. But I probably want to do that because the truth is, I'm a sinner with a capital S. I would never put in my list of identity names, saint. But sinner would be at the top. I even have sinner PTSD. When I'm doing something very mindless at home, folding laundry or cleaning house or doing yard work, all of a sudden it'll hit me, some really dumb, hurtful thing I did. And it might be years ago or it might have just been last month, but it hits me like a pile of rocks. And there I am having to deal with it again. My parents both died in recent years. They were faithful and good people, but like me and you, they were both sinners and saints. So what is sin anyway? By Lutheran theology, sin is a self-centered failure to trust God. Sin is an act we do apart from God. It's not trusting God. It's not acting like we're in relationship with God. Like for me, a big sin is worrying. I'm the queen of worrying. But when I worry, I'm not trusting God. I'm not acting like I'm in relationship with God. For Adam and Eve, the first sin, it wasn't simply that they ate the fruit and they broke the rules, but it was that they didn't trust God. The voices in their head from the world got louder than the voice of God that they could remember. Contrary to what many people believe, Lutheran theology of, about what a saint is is not reserved to a short list of people over, history, over the history of time like the one whose figurine I buried in my backyard so my house would sell quicker. Or like more recently, I think we would think of Mother Teresa. A saint, by Lutheran theology, is a sinner forgiven by God, which is why we call it today All Saints Day. When we confess our sins to God, we enter back into relationship and by God's grace, we are forgiven, absolved, and we are all saints. Since my parents' death, I have found it interesting that when we gather as a family we talk and talk about them, we tend to idolize them. We lift them up and we put them on mighty pedestals. We, saint, we made them saints, and we never name their sinner. I understand why we do this. It's to honor them, to see the many good things that I agree were wonderful and I am truly grateful for. My dad was a hard worker. He sacrificed a lot 
both in his mental health and physical health by fighting in the front lines of the war. He provided care for many members of my extended family, and he was always there for us. My dad, my mom, I mean, was the queen of the county. And I say that because the depth and breadth of her kindness, how she volunteered, she too was a very hard worker, and she cared for what the Bible might label as the least of those well. It's good to recognize the strong places in those who remember as we struggle through stages of life ourselves. We tend to think this is what a good family does. But I wonder, is it? Is it equally good and important to name their and our sinner side? Do we do a disservice to them, to us, and to the future generations to raise them up only as saints? When in reality, aren't we all sinners before we're saints? I don't say this to drudge up already forgiven business or to cast judgment but I say it to encourage us to bring unresolved or hurts that need closure. As time passes, we grow and we change. And sometimes we need to name emotions, experiences, hurts, or even disappointments from our past with the saints in our lives. By working through them, we recognize how they've marked us, how they've changed us. And looking at them through the lens of faith, we can rewrite what was once a hurtful narrative into one that brings us hope, forgiveness, closure. Having received forgiveness for our sins, then we too are often, through that lens, able to forgive others. I'm not suggesting that you give up boundaries that keep you safe or blindly allow others to hurt you. But I believe God calls us, through this forgiveness, to act with a new lens. In happy hour, and that's, by that I mean the positive psychology class that I teach here at Shepherd, not the hour at the bar between four and six or whatever. <laughs> In happy hour, the positive psychology class, one of the practices we learn to address this suggests that when we experience an ad adversity, that we examine what we believe about the adversity. And then we step back and we dispute that belief. Which is to say, we examine it again and we look at it through the lens of forgiveness and grace. Research shows that 
if we don't bother to do this, we suffer the consequence of our belief. And we literally, physically, our endocrine system releases cortisol. And over the long term, cortisol does a lot of damage to our bodies, not to mention our mental health. Plus, when we think about this sinner saint thing, I think the most beautiful part of being in a family, being in a good group of friends, or being in a healthy community is that we love each other for both the quirky, weird, odd, sinful, and the warm, wonderful, terrific saint. We love the whole person. So that brings us, how do we get from sinner to saint? Not by anything we do, not by works, but by grace through faith. When we name only the saint and not the sinner, we're not really loving people for who they really were. It's better for us, isn't it better for us to remember people both as sinners and saints, to remind ourselves as children and future generations as our children and future generations experience life's realities and wonder where God is in those, that they know that the saints that went before them lived through those as sinners and then as saints. One is only a saint through that relationship with God through that forgiveness and grace. In your bulletin today, you have this half sheet of paper. Thanks, Sean, for doing that. It asks some probing questions. At home, work, in your family, with friends and in communities, in what ways would you perceive yourself as a sinner? And in what ways would you perceive yourself as a saint? And when you think about your loved ones who have died, what did you admire about them? And in what ways were they sinners? And in what ways were they saints? I hope you'll take time today and in the days ahead to think about those questions, to talk about them with people you're close to, and to care for the answers to the questions in your life. On the bottom of the paper is a little theology, a little hope. We are sinners by work, but saints by grace. You see, being a saint is not a work you can achieve, but it's a gift that you received. One last thing, what to do now that you're a saint? Martin Luther nailed those 95 theses on the door of Wittenberg a day before All Saints Day. In them, he named the justification of sinners as a gift of grace that we receive through faith. Through the word of God, we are made holy.
So when we start at the baptismal font with our worship, we're reminded that through baptism we're joined to Christ. And through his death and resurrection, we have new identity. We are called to live out our gift of sainthood. We are sinners by works, but saints by grace. In Christ, we can't avoid sainthood. We can't run the other way. We are sent by God into the world as sinner saints, called to love others, understanding our whole identity, the S of sinner and the S of saint. When we look in the mirror, I know for me, I see a sinner. But when God looks at us, he sees us through the lens of Jesus. Our sins are covered by Christ's righteousness. There's just one hook here that really bugs me, though. Quite frankly, having something that's not earned that can't be earned through achievement can be easier than receiving a gift like forgiveness and grace. Like most of you, I'd prefer to be independent and accepting gifts is hard, especially such a big gift like grace and forgiveness. It hurts my ego, and it's hard to let it in. But children of God, people of Shepherd, it's All Saints Day. Through confession, you own the sinner in you. And now, through forgiveness, please open your heart to God's grace for you. Take a slow, deep breath and breathe in God's grace. And then go out and love others as both sinners and saints. Thanks be to God. Thanks for stopping by and listening to the Shepherd of the Hills Sermons podcast. For more information about Shepherd of the Hills, please check out sothchurch.com or find us on Facebook. Feel free to share this sermon and be sure to follow us on social media and wherever you find your podcast. Go in peace, serve the Lord.